This is Jim McCarty, welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 56. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritual oriented information and fostering community. And toward this end, has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Gary Bean, Director of LL Research, and Austin Bridges, Assistant Director of LL Research, along with myself, husband to the late Carla L. Rucker, scribe for the Raw Contact and President of LL Research, each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We will be discussing questions that are sent to us from spiritual seekers around the globe. Our replies to these questions are not final or authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. We always ask each who listens to exercise his own discernment and listen for her own resonance in determining what is true. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org forward slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Jim McCarty. We are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Is everybody ready to go? I am indeed. And so am I. Okay, well, first of all, we have a question from our faithful question submitter, Lily. And she sent it in via email. She has a question about guides. She says, both Ra and Quo, especially Quo, have taught us about our personal guidance system in our spiritual journey, spiritual evolution journey. Personally, I found this knowledge invaluable. I feel deeply grateful to Ra and Quo for it. Could you please give an overview of this guidance system? For example, what it is, why it exists, how it functions, what is our involvement in it, both pre-incarnationally and within this incarnation, how to invoke it when we need it, etc. Then, could you give some examples, either personal experiences or true stories that you know, about how this guidance system helps people in crisis and day-to-day life alike? so that we can progress along the spiritual journey with ever more confidence, ever stronger faith, and ever deepened sense of being loved and supported along the way. Thank you. Okay, Gary, what have you to say about guides and guidance systems? Well, for my reply, I would like to tell you all about Angelica, Jim's guide, (laughs) and how that works. (laughs) I'm just uh, giving Jim some trouble. He he mentioned in advance that he'd be talking about Angelica. Um, So I'll open with a quote that I found relevant. To this question, so what what is guidance? And Quo says, There are so many sources of guidance that are around you that to discuss them in depth is impossible, but we can simply name them. Then gives a list of names. As well, there are many entities in the inner realms who are drawn to you when you are conspicuously loving, patient, or intent upon the truth. Passion for goodness, for fairness, for love, or for devotion to the one infinite creator all draw to you entities that dwell within the inner realms in one capacity or another. And so you may have about you literally dozens of helpful, loving sources of inspiration and guidance. Each is in harmony with the other sources of guidance that are about you, and they constitute your family and the unseen realms. Also to be considered are those entities which are associated with you in other densities, especially those of you who are wanderers. When you have incarnated as many times 
as each of you has incarnated, the web of connections becomes truly amazing, expanding infinitely and including virtually everyone on the planet. Consequently, the concept of one spirit guide or two spirit guides or a limited number of them is not accurate in our opinion for if you are sufficiently motivated to focus your will to that laser-like quality that it can achieve when your emotions and your desires are coherent, you call a very large percentage of the unseen realms to aid you and support you. Thus it is that we encourage entities to find their position and follow it. Um, why it exists. I would venture that guidance exists because nobody does this alone. The creator created infinite so-called parts because it wanted to know itself through the interaction of those seeming parts. Service is the name of that interaction. Um, even the negative fifth density entity who is maximally cut off and alone still seems to reach out for interaction of a service self nature every now and then. Um, uh, what is our... Um, well, um, skip past that one. Uh, how to invoke it when we need it. So, conscious invocation in ways um, that are, I think, rather, what I'm trying to say is um, each has their own way of invoking guidance on a conscious means, uh, including opening yourself, quieting yourself, listening, and setting the intention. I think... Um, this is an art, not a science, and there is space for creativity according to the wiring and needs and balances of the individual. But in addition to conscious invocation, I would note too, uh, the way you live your life, and this ties into what Quo was just saying, um, the object of your desire, the quality of your seeking, the nature of your vibrations, even when you're not consciously invoking guidance, you are attracting help. That's the foundation of service to others, right? Um, STO entities help each other. Though we are each ultimately responsible for ourselves, the service to others' family is on a journey together. And we all need each other, but we help each other across planes of existence, not just human to human. Um, and meditation, of course. And I had a quote from Quo, but I'll skip it in favor of brevity. And then, finally, uh, waiting. Uh, Quo says, it may seem that there are emergencies where guidance must be had, but indeed the greatest friend to one who seeks guidance is sister patience, for there is the abiding, the waiting for the rhythm of things to come into the configuration which is harmonious and right. There is that moment when the one who has the heart to understand can almost feel the situation clicking into rhythm, and when that rhythm of the feeling of rightness comes, there is no doubt, there is only the awareness of and great gratitude for guidance. So um, I will cut my answer short before I go into examples in order to turn it back to the host and not hear myself talk overly long. <laughs> okay, that was really good, Gary. Uh, Austin, what have you got to offer us about guides in a general sense? Well, um, it's actually in less of a general sense. I kind of tackled just the what I think is probably the most common of guides that people are familiar with, and that would be the higher self. seems like um, most people call upon their higher selves in one way or another. The term the higher self is used across many sorts of spiritual systems and disciplines, and um, even in non-spiritual ways, uh, even in material and secular ways, people talk about invoking their higher self and things like that. So... Um, I have a little bit to uh, share about what exactly the higher self is and how that relates to our guidance system. Um, so 
Ra says about the higher self that it, uh, quote, protects when possible and guides when asked. So the nature of the higher self is somewhat of a mind bender in Ra's view. Ra describes the higher self in the context of non-linear time, leading us to the conclusion that it is sort of a future analog of ourselves, but not quite exactly. Um, essentially, at a certain point in sixth density, the self sort of creates the higher self as a guide. Ra describes this in different ways, including saying that the higher self is the entity of mid-sixth density, which, turning back, offers service to itself. So, in a sense, the higher self is a future version of us. But the reason I said that it is not quite exactly that way is because the higher self does not contain all of our memories up to that point of progression. According to Ra, it is aware of the lessons learned through sixth density. The progress rate is fairly well understood. The choices which must be made to achieve the higher self as it is are the provenance of the mind-body-spirit complex itself. Those were Ra's words. And they go on uh, to say that uh, thus the higher self is like the map in which the destination is known, the roads are very well known, these roads being designed by intelligent infinity, working through intelligent energy. However, the higher self aspect can program only for the lessons and certain predisposing limitations if it wishes. The remainder is completely the free choice of each entity. There is the perfect balance between the known and the unknown. And I think that um, that is a good sort of tactic to take with any of our guidance system. I don't think that uh, any of them are either willing or capable of completely guiding us uh, without having our own free will be involved. We have to make the choices ourselves, and guides are not going to sort of proactively offer direct answers or uh, tell us exactly what to do at any given moment. Um, and they might, I guess, but uh, it's still up to us to make the choice to listen to that guidance in any way. So, uh, in my mind, if the higher self specifically were a direct future version of ourselves, it wouldn't have this sort of implied, limited understanding of the person's choices or path. Ra implies that some areas or uh, memories of the higher self are veiled from the totality of uh, its memories. So it doesn't know everything that we are going to do, uh, and it guides us through that unknown aspect. So, um, to utilize the higher self as a guidance system, uh, I think it comes in many sort of shapes and sizes. And I think the most central aspect of all of these is something that Gary sort of touched on. It is uh, a personal expression of desire or request for aid uh, from the higher self. And I think this simple act alone will allow for more interaction between your higher self and you. And that's true for guidance in general, I believe, that they uh, normally cannot actively offer guidance without a request offered first. Um, so many people use various forms of channeling to interact with their higher self or even other uh, types of guides. In my own experiences, uh, my most effective method of communication with my higher self is vocally channeling. I have received 
very meaningful messages from my own higher self this way. And uh, others might use things like automatic writing or typing or things like visualization or active imagination when trying to uh, connect with their higher self. So I think the key is uh, just to put yourself in sort of a state of focused receptivity and the ability to reach the higher self or whatever guide you're trying to connect to is generally pretty easy from there. And um, beyond that, I think uh, many people believe that we are receiving hints and guidance from our higher selves and our guidance systems throughout the day, basically all day, and could take the shape of directing our attention to synchronistic events, uh, like having us look at a clock when it's 11-11 or 12-12 or anything like that, or uh, maybe nudging us in a certain direction or ensuring we end up with that last slice of pizza at the party. Um, <laughs> Uh, lots of people believe that they interact in very small, minute ways to very grand ways. And uh, I think it's hard to tell what is maybe our guidance systems versus our own intuition and our own psychic senses. But I do think it's completely possible that we are, have sort of a constant connection with guides and they are always attempting to steer us in a direction that will help us learn that lesson that we need to learn at that moment. So that was my take. Uh, how about you, Jim? Well, um... I'd like to share some general information on guides first before I talk anything about my experience with Angelica. The best information I've ever seen on guides comes from uh, Chapter 8 of Michael Newton's book, uh, Journey of Souls. He's the one who's done all the work with um, regressive hypnosis that takes people back to the time between incarnations where they review the previous incarnation and make plans for the future incarnation and meet their spiritual family again and so forth. But what he has to say about guides here is very interesting. He says, I've never worked with a subject in trance who did not have a personal guide. Some guides are more in evidence than others during hypnosis sessions. It is my custom to ask subjects if they see or feel a discarnate presence in the room. If they do, this third party is usually a protective guide. Often a client will sense the presence of a discarnate figure before visualizing a face or hearing a voice. People who meditate a great deal are naturally more familiar with these visions than someone who has never called upon his or her guide. The recognition of these spiritual teachers brings people into com company of a warm, loving, creative power. Through our guides, we become more acutely aware of the continuity of life and our identity as a soul. Guides are figures of grace in our existence because they are part of the fulfillment of our destiny. Guides are complex entities especially when they are master guides. The awareness level of the soul determines to some extent the degree of advancement of the guide assigned to them. In fact, the maturity of a particular guide also has a bearing on whether these teachers have only one student or many under their direction. Guides at the senior level of ability and above usually work with an entire group of souls in the spirit world and on earth. These guides have other entities who assist them. From what I can see, every soul group usually has one or more rather new teachers in training. As a result, some people may have more than one guide helping them. One of the most important aspects of my therapeutic work with clients is assisting them on the conscious level with appreciating the role of their guides play in life. These teacher entities edify all of us with their skillful instruction techniques. Ideas we claim as our own may be generated by a concerned guide. Guides also comfort us during the trying periods in our lives, especially when we are children in need of solace. I remember a charming remark made by a subject after I asked when she began seeing her guide in this life. 
Oh, when I was daydreaming, she said. I remember my guide was with me on my first day of school, when I was really scared. She sat on top of my desk to keep me company, and then showed me the way to the bathroom when I was too afraid to ask the teacher. So she got off to an early start, and I'll finish up with this part here. I'm often asked if teacher guides are matched to us or just picked at random. This is a difficult question to answer. Guides do appear to be assigned to us in the spirit world in an orderly fashion. I have come to believe their individual teaching styles and management techniques support and beautifully integrate with our permanent soul identity. For instance, I've heard about younger guides whose past lives included overcoming particularly difficult negative traits, being assigned to souls with the same behavior patterns. It seems these empathetic guides are graded on how well they do in their assignments to affect positive change. All guides have compassion for their students, but teaching approaches vary. I find some guides constantly helping their students on earth, while others demand their charges work out lessons with little overt encouragement. The maturity of the soul is, of course, a factor. Certainly, graduate students get less help than freshmen. Aside from the developmental level, I look at the intensity of individual desire as another consideration in the frequency of appearance and form of assistance one receives from his or her guide during a life. I think that uh, the last comments that he was making about um, people who are maybe more um, experienced on the path of seeking would have less actual contact and consciously perceive assistance from their guides because they really don't need it. Uh, what they need is to be able to make these choices themselves. I think the... Uh, Seekers of truth are maybe new to the path um, and haven't had a lot of experience on it, probably have a greater chance of being uh, assisted in a conscious fashion that they perceive from their guides. That's uh, just something I've felt for a while, but then he also uh, says that looks like it's the way it is for him. So, Gary, I think you had some more you wanted to share with us, didn't you? Yeah, did you want to talk about Angelica at all? Well, I, I imagine, yeah, I, I didn't want to take up too much time one time like you didn't. It was, oh. we're, all, we're all kind of sharing the stage here. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, definitely. What's really interesting in what you just read about um, the Newton piece is how uh, one can receive guidance and um, not realize it in that um, they think a thought is completely their own. And um, I'm sure that has happened many times in my own life where I feel... Uh, inspired and um with a particular thought and i probably got some help with that thought but um so lily asked about examples and um i think back to a diane ream episode i listened to recently uh, uh, where she interviewed this uh fellow named albert race hoss um, and he had a very very difficult life even by earth standards um a lot of time in prison and um difficult upbringing and so forth and he just he did not know love whatsoever uh growing up uh from his mother from the, what contact he had with the community and so forth and had a long stint in prison and uh, was put in solitary confinement for a while and um he was reaching a point where he thought um, he, he became a very tough person because of his circumstances, but he was reaching a point where um, he thought he was broken. He was about to finally, for the first time, say, okay, you, you know, the prison warden, the system, you have beaten me, and I give up. And um, he started choking up on air. With It was a, an interview in the 80s. And he says that suddenly he felt a presence in the room with him. And there was a light, 
And meanwhile, he's, he's saying, I know I'm going to sound crazy, but there was something in that room with me, and I knew I was loved. I felt love. And it, it restored him. It healed him. He said, I cried for the first time. And like he, I think since he was a child or maybe ever, and he cried and cried and cried. And he said he didn't care if he received food or how long he stayed in there. He said, you could have thrown away the key. And I was... Um, where I needed to be, and he felt connected. And I, um, I hang on to that episode as, um, or that incident as an an illustration of guidance at work. I would imagine that uh, Albert had received some guidance. Um, we have a we have a friend named Kathy who, uh, her husband passed on um, a couple few, couple years ago, a few years ago. It wasn't too long before Carla. And um, she's in regular communication with her husband. She uh, two-way too. She receives information. She shares information, and he's become part of her guidance system. And and that's not. Um, we've heard other stories like that where somebody moves on and then becomes part of that person's guidance system. I have an aunt who was just telling me that when her sister, my other aunt, passed away, that she she feels her in different ways. Um, my own what made it really difficult for me to answer this question is because I have unlike Austin have had uh like zero success in receiving what I feel is um the answer to a question or any kind of tangible sort of feedback and I have asked on many occasions and and in different ways but I, I never get anything that I consider clear I think it's part of my wiring that this is the case but um, when I look at the course of my own life, and uh, especially as it intersects with LL research, there has been such a falling into place of things, um, and not without effort and not without stress or loss or pain or difficulty, but ultimately, uh, as things, as a retrospect grants one, um, it's clear that there was, uh, I re- received that which I need needed and i am certain that in many points along that journey there was invisible help um nudging me along the way or giving me a prompting or seeding a thought or maybe helping to guide my hand to a certain circumstance and i I think at minimum that's the way it's working for most people um quo says we can only say to you who wish to become more aware of the guidance sought that it is all about you that there are ways of thinking about guidance and methods of guidance that you may consider and choose between, but know this. Beyond all of your choices, the information that you need comes to you again and again and again. If you miss it this time, there will be another time. Um, And in closing, actually, once we're all done, I have another thing I want to read from Quo to close the section, but um, in closing this part, I wanted to comment on uh, Austin's really good reply about the higher self that got me thinking, you know, about how the higher self is in one respect this thing other than us or outside of us, but ultimately it's 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 us. It's in our core. So to turn to the higher self is I I think it's fair to say, another way to turn within. And which is also a way of saying that we have the guidance we need within us. Um, in any given moment, um, always operating and accentuated, of course, when we seek and ask for it. But uh, I think we're well supported. Back to you, Jim. 
Good job, Greg. Uh, Austin, did you have anything else to share with us? Uh, no, I am eager to hear about Angelica. <laughs> okay, I guess we'll get to that one then. Um, I was uh, on my land for the just about the second time after I bought it in 1972. And I was uh, camped out in a tent. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Glacier Lily from Jacksonville, Florida, had come to visit me and brought her dog, uh, Sugar Bear. And um, what I'd done that day was attempt to cut a path through the bottomland, which had about eight foot tall weeds on it, to get up to the cabin site uh, that I picked out. And this gave me a really good idea of the work that lay ahead of me. I mean, I really didn't know what was coming, but subconsciously, I had the feeling that there was going to be a lot of work, and I really didn't know if I could do it. So that was the uh, feeling I had before I went to sleep that particular night. And uh, somewhere in the middle of the night, uh, I guess it was maybe early in the morning, uh, her dog was eating um, hard dog food in a plastic bowl. And that made enough noise that it uh, brought me out of a uh, deep sleep, but didn't wake me completely. It brought me up to uh, the pre-conscious state, which is where uh, it's easy to remember dreams and keep on going with the dream and so forth. So it was at that point that uh, I got a message. And I'll just read what uh, Don asked uh, Ra about it. He says, uh, I have a question from Jim about an experience that he had when he first moved to his land in which he was told, quote, the key to your survival comes indirect through nervousness, end quote. The entity was Angelica. Can you give him information with respect to this? I am Ra. Yes. Questioner. Would you please do that? I am Ra. As we have noted, each mind-body-spirit complex has several guides available to it. The persona of two of these guides is the polarity of male and female. The third is androgynous. It represents a more unified conceptualization faculty. Uh, I think this is interesting that we each have at least three guides, uh, one male, one female, female, one androgynous. Angelica, of course, sounds very female. And I think that uh, maybe the reason, this is just a guess of mine, that one of the reasons, the basic reasons that Angelica was with me because my primary lesson in this life has been to open my heart and to learn how to love. Uh, Rob mentioned in some other session that I had a, an abundance of wisdom and I really wanted to balance that with more compassion. So, Angelica was the entity that uh, turned out to be my active guide. I, I have a hunch that if I had been exploring the uh, concepts of wisdom, it might have been that I would have a male guide. Because in this world that we're in right now, we tend to see the female quality as being more loving, the male quality as being more wise, with not so much um, emotions and sensitivity. Um, then the concept of an androgynous guide being more, that's the more advanced one, would suggest the uh, blending, the balancing of wisdom and compassion. You know, the fifth and the fourth densities get balanced as you go into the sixth. So I have a hunch that that's why we have three guides, but I don't know. I could be wrong. But what the guide said, uh, see what Ross said about it, was the guide speaking at Sound Vibration Complex Angelica was a female polarized persona. The message may not be fully explicated due to the law of confusion, which was interesting to me then and now, because uh, when this question was asked, I'd already done the work on the land. I already survived. I got my, you know, my, my cabins built and the orchard and the, 
uh, road built and the garden and school started and all of that. I'd, I'd done what I didn't know if I could do. So that suggests to me that that quality, uh, that the key to your survival comes indirect through nervousness, was still in effect uh, when this question was asked because Ra was not able to give a full explanation of the message. But what they did say was, we may suggest that in order to progress, a state of some dissatisfaction will be present, thus giving the entity the stimulus for further seeking. This dissatisfaction, nervousness, or angst, if you will, is not of itself useful, thus its use is indirect. So that's been a quality of mine throughout my life, is that uh, <laughs> I would worry about things, something coming up that I didn't have a real strong sense of confidence about being able to do it, I would worry about it. And it seemed like everything would always turn out okay. So I started ascribing uh, things turning out okay to my worrying, that uh, if I didn't worry, things might not turn out okay. <laughs> so when I was on the land, I was very concerned about uh, everything that was ahead of me. So I was in this state of nervousness or angst and uh, concerned. I, I would tend to... Uh, go out of my way to get more prepared to do whatever job was coming up. I would get the tools ready and I'd think about it in my mind and I'd uh, practice something here or there and you know, use overkill here and there. I'd just doing everything I could to try to assure uh, the successful completion of whatever task was at hand. So worry sort of became my friend and it has been throughout the years. Um, but I don't think it's really the worry or the in, the uh, dissatisfaction is really that helpful. It's just that that's the way I can finally get to the ability to do what it is I want to do. And I think in the last couple of years, I've been able to have more of that confidence and not have to rely so much on the uh, key to my survival coming indirectly, that I can see that uh, each of us has not only guidance that can help us out, but uh, we, we have our own sense of... Uh, self-worth and confidence that over a long enough period of time, and I've been around for a while, uh, <laughs> the things just seemed like uh, you get to be more confident that, well, yeah, I can do that. So um, that is, uh, in general, the um, experience I had with Angelica. That is the only experience I have ever had with Angelica. I've never had any other contact that I'm aware of. Uh, like Gary and Austin mentioned, I'm aware of little synchronicities that uh, come my way that could well be Angelica, could well be a, uh, another guide or a higher self or, or whatever, that uh, little things that happen like that. It seems like when you get into the flow of your your spiritual life and how you want to live and, and you're dedicated with a passion to it, that things just kind of seem like they happen with you and for you and all about you. So... Um, Gary, Austin, any comments further? I have uh, some quotes I have to read. Austin, do you have anything? Um, no, nothing significant. I had one more small example after expressing great appreciation for Jim's answer that he just gave. It was uh, very excellent and informative and heartfelt. Um, we have a friend, Barbara Brodsky, who um, has a unique story behind her guide that she actually channels for other people named Aaron, who um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, I think the story with Barbara and Aaron is that they actually had lifetimes together, and in one lifetime, Barbara uh, stepped in front of a spear or an arrow for Aaron and basically sacrificed herself in that lifetime so that Aaron could survive. And it was in that moment, or it was because of that catalyst, that Aaron was able to sort of reach a modicum of uh, spiritual evolution that he could stop reincarnating and then instead stick around and um, guide Barbara from the other side. And she has uh, taken that opportunity and channeled Aaron, who has become a guide for many people through Barbara. So I think that is a, another unique example of uh, guidance at work and how it comes about. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, Gary, how about you? You have another quote from Quo? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with Austin. I went to a local intuitive counselor who's really good, and um, she said she could see multiple guys around me, and I had one Spanish fellow, and I think she, she named him Alejandro <laughs> or something. I don't know. And she said, uh, he's helping you learn the lesson of letting go because that's something you wanted to learn in this lifetime. And uh, I don't know, it sounded okay. Um, I didn't have any particular affinity for a Spanish uh, monk-like guide, but um, it did cooperate with what, um, confederation sources say and, and Michael Newton is saying is in that you know certain your particular lessons will attract particular guides suited to help with those lessons so um, this is a question asked about how social memory complexes communicate but it was especially eloquent and I think it applies to the way just communication happens across various planes of existence um, Quo says in reply uh, this instrument can feel us laughing for the challenge of this question. For the challenge of this question is such that we doubt our abilities to express in any way that is useful the response that would make sense. Imagine that the entire creation is dancing. Imagine that it is dancing in a way that is unified and harmonized so that every speck and mote and iota of the one infinite creation of the Father is dancing in perfect harmony and in full awareness of the vast and infinite reaches of that dance. We who are not of third density incarnation, whether we are dwelling between incarnations or our essences that were uncreated, are part of this dance. It is the dance of the heavens and the earth, the elements and the essences of creation, an infinite variety and color. The patterns of the dance swirl in sacred geometry, in joy, in thanksgiving, and in grace and symmetry that create a beauty that is never-ending, ever-flowing, and an expression of unconditional love in its every facet and coloration. Communication betwixt social memory complexes is that kind of communication that you may have some have experienced at times with those to whom you were very close. Perhaps you have known what someone else was going to say. Perhaps you have felt that there was someone else in the room with you and you turned around and there someone was. You felt the palpable energy of their presence. So it is when coherent energies wish to speak with each other. They, the wish creates a connection. It is instantaneous. And I speculate that guidance operates on similar on a similar basis and finally uh, uh, one paragraph other quote that came up in my research on guidance there is a yearning within each seeker for home and when the angel or the guardian or the guide or guidance itself is sought there is that hope of a letter from home of a pat on the back or a hint of what the situation is from an older and wiser relative whatever the way you choose you are seeking that home when you seek guidance you are sensing that you are on a journey, a 
and you are asking for some information closer to the source and ending of that journey. Be aware that you may be someone else's guide. Be aware when questions are asked of you, for that which is love may speak through you if you are empty enough and clear enough. Be aware that others may be your guide for a moment without any conscious intention. And that's it for me. Thanks for the great question, Lily. Okay. Um, I've got one other thing to add here. Uh, another possible source of guidance. It's uh, what is usually called the comforter. In 89.7, um, Don asks for a question. says, uh, Jim has also felt very strong conditioning, which was unbidden while channeling Latouille recently and in his personal meditations. Would you also tell us what occurred in these cases? And then I'll just read the first sentence here. It says, I am raw. The entity which has been your companion, this is our negative entity, has a vibratory frequency but a small amount lesser than that of the social memory complex known as La Tui. Also, La Tui is the primary comforter of the Confederation for entities seeking at the vibratory complex level of the one known as Jim. So, I uh, was interested in that. I looked up, well, I, I googled comforter, and uh, it's a term that is usually used in the Bible, and uh, mostly in John, in fact, almost exclusively in John. You remember John was open, uh, Ross suggested opening John to chapter 1, verse 1 for the raw contact as one of the appurtenances that were at Carlos' head. So there are 13 different places in John where the comforter is mentioned. And in general, the comforter seems to have a, uh, about three or four different functions. Uh, to bring to remembrance Christ's words, or the Christ conscious words, I would imagine, uh, testifies concerning Christ, guides all into truth, and abides forever. So I think that uh, everybody that, uh, it could be everybody has a, a comforter as well, or it could be that wanderers are uh, blessed with something a little extra. I don't know. It, you know, I, I really don't. This is all the information we ever got on comforters. But at the very least, wanderers do seem to have this extra level of uh, guidance that comes in the form of the comforter. And the very uh, name comforter suggests that uh, it is available for us when we are in need of uh, consolation or healing or inspiration or uh, some kind of um, making uh, whole that which is broken and mending that which is uh, bent a bit. So uh, that was the last thing I wanted to share. Has anybody got any final thoughts? Uh, not for me. I have a comforter too. It's in my bedroom. <laughs> okay, I think we've uh, come to the end of our program for the day. You've been listening to LR Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, lrresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and special thank yous to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question before the next show, please read the instructions at our page, lrresearch.org forward slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. We want you all to know that we love you very much and you don't have to do anything special to deserve our love. We love you just because you're there. Thank you for being there. Have a wonderful week.